Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is the basketball podcast. Myself, Andrew Bogut, and the big fella, Mike Procopio Pro. What's going on? Bogues. Not much, man. I saw the craziest thing I've seen in 30 years of being in basketball. This today. I was at a showcase camp for high school kids. Uh, some guy puts on like a national camp for top kids in the South and freshmen and sophomore. So they have like a top 30 all-star game. Top 30 all-star game, last play of the game, guy gets fouled, down one. And in this like format, you shoot one free throw for two points. You know, they only shoot one. So the guy's down one with no time on the clock. He's about to shoot his free throw. The winning coach, the coach that's winning, uh, had his daughter on the bench. She's like three years old, right? He picks up the daughter, carrying his daughter, like steps on the court like three feet. The guy misses the free throw. The referee calls a violation on the coach for being out of the coach's box <laughs> in an all-star game. In an all-star game. So the kid gets another shot at it, hits the shot. The coach loses the game in epic fashion. I thought it was going to be pandemonium. I've never seen shit like that before. It's an all-star game. Nobody cares. Everybody just wants to get the hell out of there. And the fucking coach gets an out-of-the-fucking-box was he That's just trying to be funny to or was he like No, he was just he just had his daughter in his hands. She's like three. You know how that goes. She just uh, she's a little fidgety. So he just picked her up and he just stepped on the court. He wasn't like he was in the backcourt. He was on oh, that bench. Oh wow. So it wasn't even on that side. <laughs> this guy, like behind the ref, and the ref calls it out of the fucking out of the box technical, and the guy loses the game. I've seen some shit before, but that was that takes the cake in 30 years of uh, being a basketball. But the kids take that all-star game seriously, don't they, for the most part, or not really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good, yeah. They had like five or six high major kids in it, and so it was good. They were taking it pretty serious. But, like, I I mean, imagine getting a game called, not because, like, somebody ran on the court that messed up the free throw shooter. It was behind the free throw shooter about 80 feet. It had nothing to do with the play. Why is the ref even looking back there, though? <laughs> like, I have no idea. Man. That's a question you have, right? Like, why are you even looking back? Yum. Maybe he just watched the Donahue. Uh, he, he listened to the <laughs> pod last week, and he watched the Donahue fucking Netflix show. I have no idea, but I thought it was some funny shit. Mm. Uh, interesting. Interesting. It's There's not a lot of NBA news. Um, it's the honeymoon period still. It's um, training camp and like Pro said many times, everyone's in shape, found Jesus and, and on their best behavior. But there was one team which was spoken about a lot, probably not so much basketball-wise, it was spoken about this team the last couple of weeks, but the Phoenix Suns, um, there's some issues, Pro. Uh, the fact that usually you're in your honeymoon period the 1st of October and they're already not by all reports. I've got huge concerns. I think a lot of people do. Our guy, Mark Spears, I saw some of his comments. He said that this was the worst training camp slash or, or media day slash training camp he's ever seen since he's covered the league. That's a big statement, a huge statement. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, media day, it's your first day before the first day of camp. Everyone's positive generally, even the shitty teams that are 
like the Spurs would have been positive on media day. <laughs> like, you know, they know they're going to be shit, but it's positive. It's a fresh start. We're going to develop young guys. New guys get opportunities. The roses are blooming. So for a team to kind of, the Mark Spears quote, was it was like a funeral home. <laughs> Huge concern there, right? Um, and there were a few other reporters that mentioned the same thing. A guy, Jock Landau's there. You know, he's giving me the politically correct answer of everything's fine, uh, which he has to do as a young fellow. We don't want to throw him under the bus, but he didn't give me anything, the bastard. So, look, th- th- there's some issues there. They've got, you know, there's the Sava thing, but now that's in the rearview mirror. We can move on. You've got DeAndre Aiden, Monty Williams relationship. Seems like, did you see DeAndre Aiden's press conference at All Pro or any of his comments? It was pretty rough. Oof. Yeah, it was pretty grim. It was very rough. It was, it was. It was very bland. Yep, I'm happy to be here. Yep, great. Okay, yep, cool. Is what it is, that kind of style. For those of you who haven't seen it, you can go on YouTube. But Monty Williams obviously saying, look, um, they asked Monty Williams why you haven't spoken to Aiden. Aiden basically said, I haven't spoken to Coach Williams since the playoffs. <laughs> Red flag there. Monty Williams spun that into saying, well, I haven't spoken to a lot of my guys. Let him have a break, blah, blah, blah. So there's some turmoil between those two, Monty Williams and DeAndre Aiden. Reportedly, Monty Williams told... DeAndre Aiden mid-series or in that game where they got blown out by a thousand, it seemed, um, that, you know, are you going to quit on the team? Are you quitting on us? Um, so I guess that's a relationship they need to fix. Jay Crowder, a uh, week before training camp, has, is not going to report because he was told that he's probably going to come off the bench and we're not going to give you an extension. So he's like, I'm out of here. A lot going on in Phoenix. And look, Pro and I just spoke off here. They've still got a good team. They're a really good team on paper. Um, you look at, you know, Chris Paul, obviously you don't need to talk about him. Everyone knows what he brings to the table. Devin Booker, they've got good role players like Josh Kogi, Torrey Craig to, to help um, balance the team out with some role players. They've got obviously Jock Landales there. Damian Lee, they got some shooting. Um, who else do they have here? Landry Shamit. I like his game. I thought he had a really down year. I think he can be better. Cameron Payne. Has, has established himself as a decent backup. DeAndre Aiden, of course. Dario Saric didn't play last season. Very good playmaking four-man that can shoot the three-ball. Bismack Biombo, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges. You know, they've got a great team, but it's, to me, this is alarm bell stuff. I know Monty Williams is supposed to be that culture guy, that glue-type glue, glue coach, but he also in the past reportedly has been hard-nosed, hard-line coach. So I think... You know, that's going to be interesting. But just a team that was on the brink only a season or two ago to, to this media day pro, how do you see it? Folks, it just goes to show you how fragile an NBA team is. Like, you have Boston, what's going on there. We talked about that last week. But, like, you have teams that are slated to be, you know, favorite to be in the NBA finals or at least conference finals. And you have everything going for you. You have the coach that you want. You have your players. Everybody's healthy. And then you throw a monkey wrench into things, and then it just snowballs. It's crazy. This team won 64 games, won their division by like 13 games last year. And you've got everybody back. Everything seems to be fine. And now you get this. It's crazy. And look, I don't know what's going on inside their locker room. I'm not there. But look, Monty Williams is the head coach of their team. Regardless of what happened, how your your playoffs ended, how your season ended, you shake it off. You might be mad for a week. You probably said something you shouldn't have said, even though you thought I was going to fire the team up. 
you know, you have a lot of stuff going on with the contract of Aiton. You know, then you get blown out by Dallas in an epic game seven, one of the worst in the history of mankind. And now you go the whole year, the whole summer, I mean, and Aiton's been working out at your facility all summer and you don't talk to him. That's that's a problem. That's a problem. You have to nip that in the butt. Like you have to go in. Like even if you don't think it, you just say, "Look, I fucked up. I shouldn't have said what I said. I apologize. You're our cornerstone of our franchise. We're not going to win without you." You know, I, I let you know I let a, a, a bad situation get out of hand. I said something I shouldn't have. I embarrassed you in front of the team. I should have never questioned that. But to go the whole year, and folks, you know how it is. If you go like a week or two, but then anything past that, it's going to fester and fester and fester. And now you're eight and you just, you know, you're in the middle of something. The only reason why Phoenix signed him is because they didn't want to lose him to Indiana for nothing. And when they had to match the offer sheet. But I think you got to be better than that. You got to talk to the guy, even if you you're lying through your teeth. You you gotta like you gotta put that stuff aside, because regardless of what's gonna happen, you don't know if Aiton's gonna be traded. You don't know if you're gonna get the package that you want if you want to trade him. And now you go a whole off season without talking to the guy. You're supposed to be the leader. You're the CEO. You gotta be. You gotta be in front of this stuff, and you gotta meet with the guy. And now you get the Crowder thing and all this other stuff. It's uh well, Aiden can't be traded for a while, right? He, I know he can't go December back December fifteenth. Yeah, and he can't go back to Indiana for a year. So cross him off the list, obviously. But there's other teams, but yeah, he can't be traded still till mid season. So uh, what happens between now and then? It's it's just an ugly, like you said. It's just it's so disappointing for the Phoenix Suns if this is if this is true. I mean, we could be wrong. They could be they could start the season twenty and twenty and zero. Um, but I think this this underlying kind of back and forth is not good and I think it'll eventually, I don't care, even if they potentially fix it in the next couple of weeks or month, it's going to be it's going to be sitting there, Pro, as we both know. These things, you, yeah, you need independent butt, but I think if there comes a point where shit gets too hard in the season, it'll rear its ugly head again. Um, if everything goes well, different story. If things... You know, I'm talking about a five-game losing streak on the road, you know, blah, blah, blah. Aiden gets benched a game, whoever it is. That's when these things can come up again, um, even though they're supposed to be behind us. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm worried for the signs. I just don't think that they're, you know, in a position to, to, to get to where they were. I, I thought they were so close. I picked them to win last season. I thought they'd make that next step. It just goes to show you, like you said, how hard it is to, to, to stay on top, how hard it is to repeat to get to a finals or a conference finals, how hard it is to keep a group together that's so talented that, you know, anyone who's got half a basketball brain would have looked at the Phoenix Suns a season ago and said, shit, they're going to be together another season. Young guys like Booker and Aiden, uh, new coach, another year with the guys. It's, it can only go up from here. Like anyone would think that, and and it's such a small thing. You you know, one veteran's pissed off in Crowder, and your young big man's pissed off and didn't feel wanted for a bit because he didn't get the extension straight away from his own team, and and now bang, and now you gotta 
you know, you're clutching at straws again to, to do some kumbaya meetings and some yoga meetings and, and try to break bread and go bowling and do all that shit and try to build up culture again. But if, if guys don't want to buy into it, your talent will only get you so far. So it's just, yeah, that the roof of error, man. In, in pro sports in general, I think it is. If you've got one or two guys that are your main guys that are acting like Aiden is now, you know, it can derail your whole season. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if I'm the coaching staff there, I'm not worrying about my pick and roll coverage. I'm not worrying about my 972 plays we're going to put in. I am the, the number one, number two, and number three thing is getting DeAndre Ayton back, like just mentally at least go forward with it. And because this guy is one of the best centers in the league. He's not a bum. I understand why they didn't give him the extension. And it's their right not to give him the extension last year when they could extend him. Was it right? Was it wrong? Yeah, true. You'd want to extend your rookies, you know, no, you know, the number one pick in the draft. You want to extend him, you know, early as early as possible to save face and just to make sure he he feels valued and all that. But it's their option to wait another year to do it. But to not talk to the guy. You know, you, first of all, you force Indiana to force your hand to give him the, you know, the max extension to match, but then you go the whole year. This guy's a really good player, and I don't know why they, they treat him like, you know, you treat him like this. Look, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Bridges, all those other guys were on the fucking court too. Crowder, those guys were on the court too in Phoenix when they got their ass kicked. It wasn't Aiton's fault you know, just as singular to blame everything on him. It's one of those games collectively as a unit, as a coach and staff, everything. No one came to play that night. Yeah, look, it sucks, but you have everything going for you. And that's the number one thing. You got to get this thing fixed and you can't let ego like in pride fuck with you. You got to get this thing fixed. Let's see, if I'm ownership, well, not ownership anymore, but if I'm front office, I'm saying to Monty, look, like this is your this is this is why we give you the money that you get. You gotta repair this. This isn't front office anymore. This is you, and you gotta fix this because this is not looking good. And you know, you still got time. You're talented enough to do what you need to do. There's no clear-cut favorite in the West. But this could fuck your whole season up if it's not nipped. You can't go, you know, another month, another month and a half without, you know, communicating with the guy. But it's fucking NBA, man. It sure is. Show. Yeah, it is. Um, hopefully they can get it, get it right and be competitive in the West. But um, And look, the West isn't as deep as it once was. I think the East is probably much deeper now. So there's still an opportunity for them to – to still go second, third round, but you know that's that's a big part. Like you said, I'm not worried about their X's and O's. They have got enough stars and players and and shooters and defenders. They got th- that. That's the least of their problems. They they need to just have some hold hands meetings around a fire and <laughs> etch it all out. Hopefully, so um, we'll watch that space. Uh, hopefully, you know, Jock can get some minutes there as well. So I know he's excited to be playing with Chris Paul and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, well, when he's not when he's not serenading Chris Paul in a fucking group chat. You know, it's funny. He group chats fucking Chris Paul, but he doesn't call me back. What the fuck is going on with that? Well, it's his PG, man. He has to. It's his PG. 
that's his PG. Yeah. He has to kind of butter the bread, you know, a little bit. But uh, no, we love Jock and hopefully, you know, worst comes to worst, the Suns don't have a, a fantastic year and he, he plays into some minutes and helps them get some wins. That's kind of best case for the Australian bias uh, Phoenix Suns. All right, Houston Rockets, uh, there was a kind of a multifaceted trade here. No real huge names, but the Houston Rockets are acquiring center Derek Favors, conditional 26 second round draft pick in an eight-player trade with OKC. It was announced Friday. So who do we have here? We have uh, the Thunder will acquire two draft exceptions and save $1 million in salary in a deal that sends Favors, guards Ty Jerome, Theo Maladin, and forward Mo Harkless to the Rockets for David Nwaba, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and Marquise Chris. I mean, Marquise Chris is just... He just goes back and forth from Houston, doesn't he? But um, basically a salary salary shedder for, for both teams, right? And some pick stocks. Yeah, for Oklahoma City, um, it's not really picks. I think it's trade exceptions they get. They got a second-round pick um, in the deal. But, like, I think it brought um, – you know, obviously this is almost like a lost season for Oklahoma, you know, with, with their draft pick being hurt for the year. Um, and then uh, – they're trying to be competitive, but they're not really trying to win. I think they just tried. To, I think it brought them below the even even further below the luxury tax. Um, so they're in a good you know they're in a good space financially. And then for Houston, look, they're you know they're a young team, good, but like no one really made out. In my opinion, no one really made out in this trade. I think it's it's sort of like you know Mo Harkless goes to Houston, you know. That might have been the best player in the trade, to be honest. You know, so originally um, Oklahoma City got Mo Harkless from Atlanta, and then they sent him in this trade. Um, so not much going on except a sour, a little bit of a salary shed for Oklahoma City. Yeah, agree, agree. Not a, like like we said earlier, not a lot going on right now. It's kind of the quiet time with the preseason and, and guys, you know, staying healthy and just trying to get right for the season. There were some extensions on. One just broke. Um, Tyler Harrow, pro, four years, $130 million, if you don't mind. Uh, nice little nice little salary bump there. Um, we discussed this at length last season, what, what Miami would do. Would Tyler leave? There were, there were rumbles about him looking elsewhere. I guess that was pressure, to put pressure on Miami and – They've come up with the goods. I think they've probably calculated that um, to replace a player of his talent, we're probably paying around about the same thing if we get him from another team. And he's young. That's the thing. He's young. He's still got a lot of good years ahead of him. And it still is a lot of money, though, um, when you look at it. They're investing a lot in him. Um, He was kind of alienated last season in the playoffs because he couldn't defend. And he's made some comments about that where he was hurt, he wasn't in full health. I mean, defense isn't his strength, but hopefully it lights a little fire on him where he can just get to an average level where he can't get picked on. But you, you want to hope that this is not another <laughs> another Duncan Robinson type signing. I don't think it is. I'm, I'm, I think Tyler here is very, very talented, especially scoring. He can get his own shot up, but um, he's going to have to lift his defensive kind of prowess a little bit to, to make sure he can play that 30, 35 minutes in a playoff series, pro. Yeah, let's be honest, folks. Guys, after their first contract, you're either a good defender or you're not. And, and he's not a great defender, but he's more dynamic offensively than Robinson. Robinson's one of the premier three-point shooters in the league, just can't guard anybody, and he can't really put the ball on the floor past one dribble on handoffs and things like that. Hero could get a shot. He averaged, what, 20 and 5 last year. And, um, you know, he's a bucket getter. He, he could get that. 
you know, offense sells in this league um, individually, obviously, and they need it. Like they, they, their lineup, look, they're tough and they play good D, but they don't really have scores. Like, I don't know how many more years Jimmy Butler could carry it. You know, he's 32 years old, you know, going forward, you need those young guns coming up and yeah, look, it's hard to acquire a guy like Tyler Hero, you know, um, love him or hate him, the guy could get, you know, the guy could fill it up and they need that going forward, especially if they're going to move Jimmy, you know, in the next couple of years, when trying to get the most out of him before they move him on, they, they're going to need some players. So um, people say this is contracts a little high. I don't know. I think it's a to acquire your own players. Cause if you don't want to lose them, you don't want to get in a, you don't want to get into that. If you have, you know, He's your guy. He, you know, he comes off the bench. He could really score. Sometimes you're going to have to overpay for that. But as we've seen in the last couple of years, no contract is untradeable. So, you know, if they're getting some buyer's remorse in the next year or two, they could definitely move him. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to need they're going to need this going forward. So, yeah, I, I think it's a decent signing for them. Yeah, it is. Like I said, we did, what else are you going to do um, with the money? That's the thing. So... Stephen Adams, another two years added to his contract. Um, two more years at $25 million. Pretty fair deal, I think, $12.5 million a year. It takes him to $43 million over three years because of his previous deal that he brought over from, I think it was with OKC, that, that carried over. Um, look, he was he was basically benched in the playoffs late when they went small ball. I couldn't play him against Golden State. I think that's more the fact that you were playing Golden State than anything else. But I think he's a good, solid Veteran leader now for him, physical guy. They love him in the locker room, does little things. Um, he's happy to play 20 minutes, hit people, grab rebounds, dive on loose balls. Um, and that's probably about where the market is for role-playing big men now. It's, it's it's 10 to 15 million max for a role-playing big man. And I think it's a pretty good deal for them. Yeah, I mean, he, he bounced around a little bit, you know, from New Orleans to Memphis. And, um, you know, I think he's solid. I think he's a solid player. I think he's good. I think it's good for them. Um, you know, he fits in anywhere. Like the guy's like the best teammate of all time. Guy plays hard. Um, I think it's a solid signing for them. I, I agree with you. The money is basically where, you know, role playing bigs, that's sort of where they go. Um, you know, guy averaged seven and ten last year, but he doesn't need the ball, he just plays hard, he rebounds. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a good solid, a solid signing for them. Agree with that one. Larry Nance, two years, twenty one point six million with an extension for him. Um, CJ McCullen was, was was banging that drum, really wanted him around. I think he's solid. I think he showed a few times in the playoffs last season with a few of those stat, you know, those eight, seven, seven, six stat lines, you know, like he's one of those, he's kind of, to an extent, a Kirilenko type um, where he'll, he'll fill a stat sheet up without without making it look crazy. Like he's not going double digits, but he, he you know, he's going to have two or three steals, two or three blocks, six rebounds, four assists. Like, he does a lot of different things for him, and I think they can play him at the five for stretches, play him at the four. Um, just a really, really good role player. So for $10 million a year, decent role player. I like the signing for them. I like, you know, he's a great locker room guy. Guys love him. I was with him in LA. Fun guy to be around. And I think they, um, you know, they need to start just building some stability there in New Orleans, so I like it. Yeah, I mean, look, they're trying to, they're trying to have this team and this unit you know, sort of signed up. Look, they they did Zion's contract. They've got you know they've got Ingram for another couple of years on contract. Um, to sign a guy, a glue guy like Nance, that 
you know, that does all the little things, uh, that, you know, plays defense, solid, smart player, good teammate. I think it's a good signing for them. Um, I think it's, you know, you're just trying to just keep everybody together the best you can. Um, I think it's a solid signing. Agree. That's about it with the extensions. Um, not a whole lot more than that. Blake Griffin uh, signed a one-year deal to go to the Boston Celtics, so um, they, they needed to do that with Gallo out. I think it, you know, a little bit of a different player than Gallo, obviously, but a, kind of a stretch four these days. Blake is uh, streaky from three still, but you know, just brings him a veteran presence and a, a good live body at the minimum. I think that's a pretty good deal, pro. I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to get much better than that with that last roster spot. Yeah, it, it was a little strange though, Bogues. I thought they would get a more defensive-minded guy, um, but you know, maybe take a chance on Whiteside. But maybe they just trust Griffin and you know the fact that he's just sort of solid. He he knows who he is. Um, he's just gonna bang. Yeah, he's gonna be that tough guy. He's not really gonna be a good defender, but he's gonna you know he he throws his body around. He's tough. He's a rugged guy. Well, he's not a he, he's not a huge rim presence or great defender, but no. he's actually a pretty good charge taker. Um, he, yeah. he does he, last season. He did a pretty good job of taking some charges in the paint uh, with guys mm-hmm. coming in there. So I think that's you know they can they can use a little bit of that. Uh, they don't really have any bigs that do that. That's more Marcus Smart. He's, he's really good taking charges, offensive fouls, and whatnot. But um, I think he'll provide a five ten minute a night sure. spark for him at times. And I think, like I said, who, who else you? Get? I mean, the other guy out there was Carmelo um, Aldridge. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's at yeah, that point you're, not much. you're you're flipping coins with production on all those guys. I don't think you you can do, go too wrong on on either of those names. So nah. they've elected to to move on there. The women's World Cup finish pro. I'm not sure if you watched that. It was in Australia. Um, Lauren Jackson making her comeback at you know 41 years old, which is pretty interesting. Um, and for all the assholes out there that are hitting me up, telling me that you know. Why can't you come back? <laughs> not, ah. not gonna, not gonna happen. Um, I'm happy to be able to get out of bed, but uh, it was it was great. I mean, we don't need to discuss the whole Cambridge issues with the what what it's done to the Opals um, the last probably three or four years, if not more, um, culturally and, and and all that kind of stuff. So I think bringing Lauren in. You know, just to steady the ship there culturally. She didn't play a lot in the early games. I thought she probably could have played a little bit more, but obviously not not moving as well as she once did when she was younger, but just provided such a good presence for them on the bench. Um, you can tell she's done a lot of work with them and their culture and getting back to, you know, the Opals Pro were always the pinnacle of, of professionalism and it was leave your bullshit at the door, like the, the legit pinnacle, not just not just signs in the practice facility or, you know, let a team together, one, two, three. It was legit. Like they, they left their nonsense at the door and they always come together. They lost that probably the last five years, I think. Um, and now, you know, bringing Lauren in at 41, some people scratch their heads, but some people were like, you know, that there's, there's more to this than just on court and uh, it worked. They got bronze. Um, they... They go down to China in a semi um, by a basket uh, turnover late cost them. I saw the last quarter of that. I watched a bit of these games because I w- was in Australia and it was a time friendly for me. And Lauren ends up scoring 30 on in the, in the bronze medal game versus Canada in a big blowout. So finished in a fairy tale. Um, now, does she retire? They're saying, you know, she's saying most likely, but Paris is around the corner pro. So I, I don't know if you can get there at 43, but that will Who be interesting. Knows, I, I, I think, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe hire as an assistant coach or a player co- player assistant coach if there's ever been one because she, she obviously provided a really good 
just some stability and, and just some calm amongst that group. You could clearly see it and um, good on them. USA went on to play China in the final and obviously USA got that done pretty easily. A few of the WNBA girls came over after their uh, their, their uh, championship there in Vegas. I think a few of them came pretty hungover and they still, they still managed to get the tournament done pro. So I don't know if you caught any of those games, but um, it was a pretty interesting tournament. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have Olympic competition, it's always great, you know, to see. Um, I know a lot of the WNBA players that will play in deep in the you know WNBA. You have to go, you know, had to go right over there, and you know, like you said, it's uh, it's always good. I didn't catch any of the games. Um, I've heard it on Twitter and things like that, but um, yeah, somebody informed me about the China, uh, the China win against Australia, and. Um, yeah, but then, then obviously USA that wasn't a shock. But I thought I thought Australia would meet him in the final. Hey, uh, you know how that is in Olympic competition. You never know. But uh, yeah, I mean it's always great. It's always good to have a competitive, you know, a competitive FIBA Olympic competition. It's great, great to see. And really good turnout from, from fans for women's basketball, which is great. Um, the games were at Kudos Arena, the home of the Sydney Kings. It's a very, very big arena, so it can look very, very empty at times if it's just half full. And, and they did a really good job, all the fans in Sydney and from around the world. I know a lot of Chinese fans showed up to that China-Australia game and the final. I think that 11,000 at one game, which is sensational. So um, we'd love to see basketball in any capacity being supported outside of um, you know all the other sports that, that get – support for women in Australia, at least with, with AFLW and NRLW. I feel like they, they get the bulk of the funding and the promo to see basketball get 11,000. Very well done. All right, pro crack open a beer. I'm, I'm going to do my never too late NBL preview. So, I mean, the, probably only, the only thing you can probably add to this is... Uh, comedy. Is comedy, um, which arena has the best hot dogs and <laughs> which imports you which imports you have, have run across. So if you feel like you want to chime in about an import, feel free. But uh, sure. never too late because we've had round one. There's another game tonight um, and it's kind of given me a little bit. I haven't changed my picks, so I've kept them the same. But my top six, it's gone to top six now, Pro. They've gone to the playing format at six out of ten. Uh, my top six will be Melbourne United. This is in no particular order. Melbourne United. Sydney Kings, Perth Wildcats, Adelaide 36ers, Brisbane Bullets, South East Melbourne. Now, I've etched Tasmania in my bottom four and I'll probably I'll live to regret it. I, last season, I infamously picked them last and they made the grand final. So um, I just, I'll get into them a little bit later, but my bottom four, New Zealand, Tasmania, Illawarra and Cairns. Let me start with Melbourne. Um, they're once again doubted by many, uh, but I think they'll be in the mix. They rarely beat themselves uh, through the course of the season. They start to figure things out. I think Dean Pickerman's a very good coach. Um, they didn't look great in the first game against New Zealand, but it was the first game of the season. Uh, Huck Porty doing his Achilles we spoke about last season is, is a massive out for them. I think it puts a lot more pressure on Isaac Humphreys, who has some NBA experience. Um, he's going to be asked to, to carry the load uh, a whole lot more. Pete Ling right now is hurt, so he's not playing a lot. Um, their, their starting lineup as of their first game was, uh, do you know Rajon Tucker, uh, pro? I know him a little bit. Yeah, I know I know the name pretty you know, a little bit, but I don't know him all that well. Mm. So he's very athletic, very football-type body. Um, he's kind of their starting port. He actually played with uh, Adams, who was our import last season. Very, very good player. He's their starting point. Um, not too much of a distributor, it seemed like. Uh, I think he was more of a more of a scoring type um, type guard. You got Chris Goulding, 
who obviously is Chris Goulding, I think he's – or Golding, I always get that wrong, Chris Golding, um, was, their, was their main – Main scoring burst last game, and he's gonna he's gonna be their main Australian player. He had twenty four in the first game. Brathen um, Mays was really good for him. He was a guy that was with the Laura Hawks as a six man last season. They've put him in the starting lineup, which um, which has been interesting. I thought he would, I thought he would still come off the bench, but uh, he had a huge huge game for him. He had a big three late or two big threes late, scored thirty four for him. They have a, another import called Jordan Caroline, um, by the name of Jordan Caroline. I'm not sure if you know him. Stretch four, uh, didn't uh, didn't make a three, which isn't good. He was an 0 for 4, looked kind of out of sorts a little bit. Hopefully he can settle for him because he's going to be very important to their spacing. Isaac Humphreys uh, was solid with eight eight and six. But um, I think for United, the, the thing for them is going to be their bench. Uh, David Barlow retired and then unretired 14 days later, I think it was. Um, he's... he's he was their main scoring threat for a guy that was supposed to be retired. It was it was nine points, three rebounds, um, was kind of their most efficient off the bench. Beyond that, they really didn't have a whole lot. I mean, a bunch of donuts there. Um, Aquera had six and Lockie Barker had three. So I think their bench is, over the course of the season, if they have an injury or two, I'd be a little bit worried about United. But as I said, I think they'll... They'll still be um, they'll still be somewhere in the mix, pro. They're, they're, they're just one of those teams that just continues to get it done. And I think they go as far as, as Tucker takes him. I think he's going to be, you know, I think um, Golding's going to fire at times. Rath and Mays can get his buckets, but Tucker's going to be that, that, that punch that they need. Their defense will be top, top three or four, I think, still. Um, they're pretty solid defensively for the most part um, with, with, with their imports and whatnot. But uh, we'll be interested to in watch them. Pro, anything on, on good old Melbourne United? I think you covered it, folks. I think you covered it. I like Golding. <laughs> we had Golding in Dallas uh, for summer league a, a few years back. Um, great dude, man. Just you know, could really shoot it. Works really hard. Um, you know, the Tucker kid you know, was a journeyman NBA for a couple of years, but you know, I think he'll he'll provide some slashing and you know some athleticism. I don't know the Caroline kid that well, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. You know, be interesting to see where they finish up. It will. They'll be in the mix. They'll be in the sixth, I believe. I don't, I don't see them falling out. All right, Sydney Kings, we signed starting Port Walton Jr. was huge in our first game. Um, Simon as well, great role playing defending wing was real big for us in our first game. We've got a good mix of shooting and physicality at the big spots. We've got a couple of bigs that are rollers, a couple that are poppers, which is good. Um, I think Xavier Cooks has a legitimate chance to be the MVP of the league if he continues on his form from last season in the finals, he was finals MVP. He went over to New Zealand in the off-season, won the MVP of the league there. Coming back here, he's in really, really good form. Big, big factor for, for how far we go. Um, I think, you know, for the Sydney Kings, you know, obviously being being, being an owner and being a little bit biased, I'm going to try to assess, it, assess the Kings roster as it is. I think um, DJ Vasiljevic is the X factor for us. And... When he fires and he can knock down some tough shots for us when our offense dries up from time to time, we have chances to win games. And we saw that in the first game against Illawarra. Uh, we were down, I think we were down uh, six or seven, three threes in a row um, from from the parking lot, bro. The first one, <laughs> they fucked up and went under. They went under him on just a, a regular kind of split screen. He come to the top of the paint. They went under the top of the key. They went under that screen stupidly. Finds his feet on that one, knocks it down. Comes down the next play, you know, two steps past the center circle, launches it, nothing but net. Literally the next rebound down, um, we get a turnover. He runs out to the left wing and shoots one from 
five feet behind the line and, and nets it and we're in lead. Um, and he's he's a big part of, of, of what we do offensively for us to, you know, because every team has lulls. Um, Walton Jr. can't bring it every night. He had 32 in the first game with sensational eight assists, just a bucket, just can really score in different ways. But he might have a night where he's not feeling it. We need DJ to be that second string scorer for us. Xavier Cooks does a little bit of everything. Um, and Justin Simon was really, really good for us. Just a guy that's kind of um, an, an, an old defensive team guy, but just all over the, all over the park, uh, all over the court def- uh, offensively. He's, he's in the dunker. He's offensive rebounding. Not a great shooter from three, um, but makes up for that with just his movement. It's, a, it's actually a great guy to watch for kids that play the, the wing that aren't aren't knocked down three-point shooters. Can He can shoot one every now and then, but he's not. that's not his strength. Watch him play and see what he does and how active he is to kind of compensate the fact that he can't make um, threes consistently. He does a, a fantastic job and obviously defensively he brings a lot. So... Uh, I think that the bench as well for the Kings is decent. Um, Jordy Hunter's had a great NBA one off season. He's coming off the bench and providing a, a spark there, uh, some physicality. Sean Bruce, championship um, point guard for us, coming off the bench. Uh, McCoy, who I thought um, we, we, we got kind of a steal with late into the free agency, just a, a kind of a, a long athletic point guard, a little bit different than what we've had, can get in the paint really push the tempo and Kawhi Noy obviously we're trying to get him back to to the form that had him on NBA draft uh, mock drafts at one point three or four years ago so that's kind of the Sydney Kings look um, I think there's there's a lot of unknowns still about rotations and whatnot early in the season but for a first outing we got a little bit lucky we didn't play the best basketball down in Lawara, but we got that win and that's kind of kind of where we're at pro you know a little bit about Walton Jr wouldn't you Walton Jr. a little bit. I, I I knew Cooks pretty well for the draft stuff a few years back. I think he played at Winthrop, but he was an athletic kid that was really active and you know could do like you said could do a little bit of everything. Simon was a kid. You know he actually went to prep school. Uh, played for a friend of mine in New Hampshire, and uh, at I think at Brewster Academy, and then he went to. Arizona and then finish up at St. John's. I like him. Can't really shoot, but he plays hard, you know, slashes. Um, Walton, I've heard his name, seen him a little bit, but um, don't know as much about him. But now it's a good mix of players. Like you said, just got to get rotations down. How many players did, did Sydney lose, Bokes, from, from the championship team? Did they lose many guys in the rotation or no? Well, yeah, all three imports. Um you know, all three imports were lost. So Jarrell, Jarrell Martin, Adams, and Ian Clark all, all gone. And look, that's what happens when you when you win a championship in any league in the world. Um, we had you know a bunch of Euro League teams came knocking, and, and I think um, Adams went to China. And you know, you, we, you can't afford to match a, a million dollar salary. It's just the reality of, of it for us. Um, we'd love to, but you know, we'd be a million and a half dollars over the cap if we if we're trying to keep those guys. And we got some of those at a steal when we got them as well, like under market. Ian Clark, obviously, we got real lucky with with RJ Hunter getting hurt. and He didn't have a contract in the NBA mid-season and he came over, right? Um, so he came over for, for a reasonable amount that we could afford and that's that's a tricky part. But, you know, you take the championship and then you try to rebuild. But I think Walton Jr. has been a really good replacement for – for Adams, I think um, different different styles of play, but I mean to, to open the night, open the night in league um, opening night thirty two and eight um, low turnover game for him, and and just was just got us buckets when we needed to, and I think um, 
you know, Australian contingent, we've kept Xavier Cooks re-signed, DJ re-signed, uh, Sean Bruce is back. And so, yeah, pr- pretty much a, for 60% of the roster's turned over. So um, that's what happens when you when you win games, pro, and win championships. Yeah, like you said, I mean, once you win, especially, you know, like you said, you win and, and guys play well, those EuroLeague and, you know, big walleted Chinese clubs, at, you know, with the China League and the CBA is going to come knocking, you know, to lose in free agency. I didn't pay attention to the roster. That's why I asked. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. The the international teams, it's tough, man. Like, because a lot of there's a lot of turnover on most of the teams. You know, even in the big European leagues, unless you're like Barcelona or Real Madrid, where you still have some turnover. But a lot of these, I'd say, ninety percent of the other teams have multiple players in rotation that you have to, you know, you have to replace on a year year to year basis. It's it it gets quite interesting. With the coach, you know, having to readjust lineups and you know have to flip flop with like three to five to six different players on the roster, so it's always interesting that part of it. Well, for us, for the NBL, it's very, very important to try and keep your homegrown ta- homegrown talent. So Xavier Cooks, uh, Dan Vasilevich, I think keeping those guys is very important because they're, they're harder to replace. Right, you can replace imports. I mean, imports are generally you know, hide guns, right? You can always find a hide gun for the most part. Much harder to find a marquee like a Xavier Cook. So, you know, he was a free agent and we had to overpay to keep him. Let's be honest. Like, you know, he demanded um, a good salary based on his performance and bringing Sydney a championship. So we opened the checkbook. That's just the reality of the beast you got to deal with. But the key, I think, in, for most NBL teams is those those Australians and those marquee guys. If you can get those right, I think you can kind of surround imports around that. So that was kind of our plan. Adelaide Pro, they are, they are once again by some championship favourites when you look at their roster, as they were last season too, and they didn't, they didn't make the four. Um, they made, There is a top six now, so I have them in. Still not completely sold. I think they still need to prove to me that they can put it together. They have a very, very stacked roster, probably the most stacked roster in the NBL. So I think this is, I wouldn't say championship or bust, but they need to be in the mix or bust. Um, they've opened their wallet. Um CJ Bruden is, uh, you know, first time NBL head coach. Is his second season. Still, you know, there's some doubts out about him. Which way he goes, I know CJ very well. But there's people asking questions. Can he get it, get this roster to the next level? There's no excuses now. Um, I think he's a pretty smart um, guy when it comes to basketball and knows the game well. But the pressure's on. He's got to. He's got to. Um, you know show that he can get this team to the next level. Kai Soto's there. Can he make another jump? Uh, he didn't have – he wasn't hugely uh, influential in their games last season, um, but was decent. But I think he'll take a, another step. He's gotten in the weight room from what I've heard, gotten a little bit bigger. But it's it's their import trio pro that, that they've spent their money on. Robert Franks, Antonio Cleveland, and um, who's the other one? Randall. So Craig Randall. Uh, they've spent a lot of money on those three uh, to, to mix in with Mitch McCarron, who's on a pretty good salary as well, who's more of a, a kind of an intangibles guy. He's not a scoring guard by any means, but, you know, he's a he's a 10, 8, and 5. He's a regional rondo of the NBL, in my opinion, one of those guys. Uh, but their imports are what they've spent money on now. Beyond that, their bench, you know, Sunday Detch is, is, is a very, very good role player, can be a starter, can be a bench player. Kai Soto's on the bench, Kyron Galloway. Um, beyond that, they don't have a lot on the bench. So, you know, their rotation of they're seven to eight deep in my opinion and 
like I said, a lot of people have them as championship favorites. I'm not sold on that yet, but they are in my top six, bro. Yeah, Soto, like I said, I spent a couple of summers with him uh, at Nike China camp. Just never a huge fan. A lot of talent, a lot of skill. Just not a player that I would really like think that he could carry it. But, you know, as players progress in their age, maybe they get a little bit better. Um, you know, I spent some time in Dallas with Cleveland. You know, he's an unbelievable athlete, good slasher, decent size for a wing player, great length. It's just his perimeter shooting that's inconsistent. You know, he's probably on his best of days, a 30%, you know, three-point shooter. And that's uh, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough, you know, to stretch, the, you know, his spacing so important in the game. But he does play hard. He does slash. He can get to the basket. Wasn't he the guy that almost fought? What's his name? Or, yeah. or yeah, our guy wanted to uh, fight. Yeah, uh, Cleveland. Yeah, it was. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And he look. He's he's an all league defender. He was defensive player of the year, I believe. And he's um, you know, that's why they've signed him. Uh, we we had we, I'm not going to lie. We had a look at him, um, but it didn't work out for us. Uh, he, he got a boatload more money from Adelaide. Because congratulations to him. But yeah, he look. He has some fire and passion. You like that. And he's yeah, he's the one that good old Scott Roth and him almost had a little tussle. I think they mended their uh, differences in the preseason because I think they walked past each other in a handshake line and. And they said something to each other, so it looked like they had a little laugh, which is kind of always good to see. But um, they are up there for a lot of people, so it'll be interesting to see whether Adelaide's um, kind of uh, payroll, you know, compares well with wins and losses in the season. But um, pressure's on CJ; he's got to get, get those wins. So let's hope he does, and they they're back up to the top because they they were a very successful successful uh, franchise in in the nineties and early two thousands. Brisbane Bullets. Uh, I have Brisbane in my six just solely because I think their trio of Aaron Baines, Nathan Sobey, Tyler Johnson, pro, uh, former former Tyler NBA player. Jesus. That trio should be enough to get him in the top six. Um, there are a lot of question marks. I, they, I, I was lucky enough to watch them play last night. They, they did not look good last night, but they did play in Perth, a very tough place to win. They didn't look like they were – they started off on a 9-0 run and then lost the game by 10 or 15 and never really looked in the game beyond that run. Um Few questions. Baines has an NBA out. Does he get a call up? I guess um, that's a question you can answer shortly. I think potentially he does get a call up if he's in shape by January. If he's moving well, if he's putting up numbers, maybe. But I think it's more realistic that if he does get a call up, it'll be post trade deadline slash buyout market time, which is March, which actually works well because the NBL season should have ended by then. So I think he stays a season. For all the people wondering whether he'll leave mid season, I don't see it. Um, the other thing is for Baines is a foul trouble adjustment. You know, big, big body guys, just it is what it is. Referees have to adjust to the way um, big guys play and you cannot be as physical in the FIBA game at times. And I think the referees sometimes just are not used to refereeing someone the size of Aaron Baines. So there'll be an adjustment there. Uh, Will Johnson settle into Australia? Looks like he's he settled in okay, but hasn't um, set the world on fire. Last game was okay. The other thing is Nathan Sobey. Will he will he be okay playing off the ball at times? I mean, he's a he's a guy. I mean, he's a point, but he's a ball in hands point. He, he likes to likes to facilitate score. Likes it all to go through him, um, and that's when he's at his best when he's just in the flow of everything going through him. And now you've got Tyler Johnson. Baines is going to demand some post touches and some three point three point shots out of sets. So there's a lot of question marks. I, I, look, I think I think they're. 
they're going to be wildly inconsistent in my opinion. I think they're going to be they're going to look really good for stretches and they're going to look really bad for stretches. And I think their first game they didn't look very good. But then we play them this Friday um, in Sydney. I'll be going down to that. And it's the championship unveiling for our banner and our rings and all that fun stuff. But I'm, I'm worried about that game. I think they'll like they're going to have their tail between their legs after a tough loss. So I think they have the talent. Uh, their bench, a little bit of question marks there. But um, yeah, look, their the head coach is a former assistant of, of the Sydney Kings, James Duncan. He's got a somewhat stacked roster now, and I think the pressure's on him as well. I think the you know if, if they don't make the six, uh, which I think they will, he's whether he likes it or not, they're probably going to put the blame on the coach because that's the way this business works. So you hope for I hope for his sake he's a fantastic guy that they get to make the top six. They're in my six at the moment, and we'll see how they go. Pro, what, what's your thoughts on uh, on Aaron Baines and and potentially making an NBA comeback? I mean, I think that people are going to be probably watching, you know in hopes that maybe in January they might think of something, maybe a better team, either a better team that just needs that extra insurance or that that young team that might need a vet. Um, I'm not sure, especially with that position, Bogues, you know, being devalued like it is in the NBA. It's going to be tough to say. I like him. He's tough. He knows how to play. He's smart. Um, but you never know what's going through NBA guys' minds. Tyler, you know, Tyler Johnson, I'll tell you what, folks, that's one of the biggest money heists in the history of mankind. <laughs> when, remember, I think it was Brooklyn who signed him to that offer sheet and then Miami matched where he got like $38 million over two years or something like that. That was insane. It was insane. $38 million. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think he'll be an okay player for them. I don't know if they have enough talent to win and and get high up and you know go deep. If Baines could stay healthy and play hard, and Johnson could be consistent, that's one thing about Johnson. Though he's at least throughout his NBA career, he's so up and down, you know, with things that would be interesting to see. Do you know much about this Walker kid or no? A little bit, yeah. He was he, he was solid for him last night. Their other import, um, just a solid defender for him. Um, got in the paint a little bit, but nothing. I mean, look, the, the, we, between, you know, uh, Tyler, Sobey and and Baines, not going to be a whole lot of ball left for that, that third or fourth import, right? So they, you know, they got to figure out how to how to get, get their, you know, get their touches and get their buckets. Um, but nothing, you know, he had 16 last night. Um, he knocked down some three, hoisted up nine threes, made four of them. Solid. Uh, seems like he's their go-to defender. He guarded Cotton for a lot of the night. But um, I think they're still figuring out things in in, uh, in Brisbane. And, and Sobe, look, to be fair, Sobe didn't have a great game. He's only scored three points, but he's he's on a minute limit at the moment and coming back off, a, off an injury in the preseason. So they're not completely healthy, but I think they're going to shuffle around that roster a, a little bit in the rotations. I mean, he went, he went uh, 11 players deep. I don't think that's sustainable long-term. I think he's going to tighten that up a little bit and figure out you know who's not going to be in the lineup, but um, you know most of the guys. No one hit thirty minutes for him, which was interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Will be all right. Southeast Melbourne, they're my last team to make the cut. I had them and Tasmania as kind of a coin flip, in my opinion. I think Tasmania will steal some wins in Tassie, but I think look, Southeast Melbourne. I think they're solid, but I'm not sold on them being the Southeast Melbourne of the past few years. I just don't think that they um, they are as, as as deep and talented, and I think. You know, 
potentially the burnout of just having that same kind of squad together for for a while now. Just I, I don't know if it gets it done long term. Um, Mitch Creek is is going to be their guy still. As far as he goes, they take him. Uh, he had twenty three in their first game, which was a win against Tasmania, um, the other team that I thought would possibly be in the mix, but didn't. Uh, Alan Williams is over there, import from the US. Uh, Kyle Adnam had a really good first game with you know, 30 ball in his first game uh, of the season, which is good. Um, yeah, okay, balanced roster. I think they'll be in the mix. They've got a few injuries at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, you could eat, some people have them out. I can understand that. Um, to, to me, it's out of them and and Tasmania, but um, you know, Creek's an all-league all player. I think he'll he'll get him some wins, four or five wins off his own bat. And they're going to need nights like like that from Kyle Adnam to um, continue to get some wins on the board, pro. So not too much there for you, I don't think. The only other, uh, sorry, the other team I've got Tasmania. Um, they're the first team I've got out there in, in my bottom four. Like I said, take that with a grain of salt, people. Uh, don't put money on it because I had them last last season and they finished second. <laughs> so they look. I love what Scott Ross doing. I love what he's about. He's a hard on his sleeve guy. Smokes about fifty cigars a day, but that's okay. But he um, he he he's really embraced and embodied what Tasmania is all about. They love him down there. I just don't think their roster is deep enough. I did say I said somewhat a similar thing last season, but their roster looks even even thinner this season. Um, they brought Majet back, uh, McVeigh's still there, Chris Levich, um, but they just, I don't think they're deep enough over the course of a season. Um, Rashad Kelly was decent for him. He, 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 had, he had some big buckets off the bench, so um, I anticipate he'll start in the next couple of games, but I just don't think their roster's deep enough to compete over the course of a season. That's Tazzy. Cairns. Um, I, I, I just can't. I just can't see them competing for a top spot. I think they're they're on a bit of a budget there in Cairns. Uh, their import DJ Hogg. Do you know much about him? Absolutely not. Absolutely, <laughs> okay. great name, but absolutely. I'll, not. I'll tell you what. Well, yeah, he's, he embodies the name because he hoists them up. He, he's 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 shooting <laughs> the ball. Um, so he's going to be a fun import to watch. I think he'll. There's he has every ability to have a few 30, 40 balls. I think so. He can get him up. Uh, ben A. Um, could be a shining light off the bench for them after his last few weeks of the previous season. Just a kind of a role player, club guy that's always been around the team. Got an opportunity late last season because they were out of the playoffs, played late in the season, played really well. Um, he'll have an opportunity to to get some more minutes, but I don't, I don't really think Kansas is going to make too much noise. I think they're still, you know, still a bottom four team in my opinion. Illawarra, this is a tough one. A lot of people have them in the top six. I don't. I think the post-Brian Gorgian era will not be pretty there. The budget has been significantly lessened <laughs> compared to the previous two years. Brian Gorgian, with his coaching prowess and his ability, also has uh, a very good um, strong arm to get to ownership and demand them to spend money. It does a fantastic job of that, and he did that the last two seasons, and they were in the mix both years, uh, grand final one year and then semis the next year. That budget's been severely tightened, bro. Um, they got they promoted the assistant to head coach, and I, I just don't think that new head coach has that kind of pull <laughs> to go into one of those meetings and be like, "I know you guys just signed me as uh, as your as a new head coach, but I need a bigger budget." So I don't think he has that ability just yet. Um, Tyler Harvey's still there; he's he's their bucket. Um, they're going to go as far as he takes them. I just think they've got a depth issue as well uh, in their roster. I, I just don't. I don't love their bench. They lost Brathen Mays to 
to Melbourne. He was their kind of score and punch off the bench. Look, they probably should have beaten us, to be honest. The, the, the Hawks should have beaten the Kings on the weekend. Um, it took three threes in a row from DJ for us to steady the ship and get back into it. But yeah, I, I'm looking for who, who that shining light is for them off the bench. A, a kind of a role player, Lockie Dent, was huge for them. Um, small little point guard, local kid, I believe. He was seven for seven off the bench, five for five from three. Really nice game for him for a guy that no one probably had on the scan report. So congratulations to him. But I just think their bench is going to be a bit of an issue down there. Um, they have another import by the name of Justin Robinson. Don't know if you know him. Didn't really didn't make a whole lot offensively, five for twenty, um, but eight assists and zero turnovers. So he, he seems like a pretty good playmaker. Look, Tyler Harvey's not a playmaker for others. He's going to get a bucket for himself. So it's a good balance to have there. They're expecting a lot from from Froling and Ding in the starting lineup, but I, I just don't think their depth is 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 deep enough to get there. Do we mention broke uh, our boy Broker off for uh, for Melbourne? He's hurt at the moment, I believe. Oh, he is. Okay, okay. I'm trying to sponsor a I'm trying to sponsor a one on one at All Star, one on one with him and Josh Majetti, and the loser has to go either to Starbucks or work at an accounting firm. Go. That's what I want to set up. But I love my guy Broker off, man. So I want to make sure that you know people know that he's alive and well. Well, he'll be back. He'll be back. Uh, I'm not sure what the extent of his injury is, um, but he'll be back soon. He obviously had a down down year last season, up and down with injuries and whatnot. But um, it will be interesting to see when he's back because he'll he'll definitely fill a void that they need for some outside shooting. All right, last team I have are the New Zealand Breakers. Finally have some home games, Pro. So they were infamously based in Australia the last two years with COVID. They didn't have any home games, um, which is nice for them to finally get people back in their building. I caught their game against Melbourne United. Now, um, they were better than I thought, to be honest with you. Um, I had them in my bottom four, but you know, it would not surprise me if they're sneaking in. Um, first time head coach Modi Mao has his workout out for him, but a passionate guy. They've got an older roster. Um, they could bring, you know, a bit of consistency. Um, their imports are are somewhat decent. But I, look, I think they're better than I had them at this point. I don't, I don't know if it was a, a factor of uh, Melbourne not being as good or New Zealand, or I didn't give New Zealand enough credit, but they they battled, man. They've got some, some decent uh, imports. Um, Derek Pardon, know much about him, pro? Yeah, I, I've seen him a little bit. Um... You know, he's a guy that, like, you know, I think he went to, where did he go? Like, Northwestern. He's not bad. He's, like, 6'8", you know, decent, you know, decent player. You know, like, you know, doesn't do anything great, but he's a decent body. doesn't really shoot it, but he's big. He could, he, he could put the ball on the floor a little bit. You know, I don't I don't think he's, a, like, a great perimeter threat, you know, to stretch, but he's not, he's not a bad player. He's got good size. Um, you know, he was decent in the Big Ten when he played in college. Yeah, well, 23 and 10, uh, 23 and 12 in his first game. Like you said, no threes shot, but eight for 10 from the field, seven for 10 from the line. He was definitely solid for him. A lot of offensive rebounds. The other guy they got, Barry Brown Jr., um, another import. He was he was pretty good for him as well. Did shoot a lot, 10 for 27 from the field, uh, but finished with 23 points, five assists. So, their import tandem looks decent. Uh, Will McDowell-White was was very, very good. Um, in my opinion, he had nine points, 13 rebounds, seven assists from the guard spot. So he was solid for them. Uh, their bench, somewhat decent. A um, few decent role plays over Dundavich and 
and they've got an X-Star in repair. So I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be competitive, uh, but for the most part, I think they're going to be down in that uh, in that bottom four, unfortunately, as, as they rebuild there down in New Zealand Pro. So that is the Never Too Late NBL wrap. I know a few of you are asking us. I didn't have time to get on a, a special NBL expert to, to debate it with me, so I just thought I'd knock it out in this podcast and, and you get the expert commentary of Pro from afar. <laughs> I don't know about how fucking expert it was, but <laughs> we'll go for it. Said heavily sarcastic. No doubt. And you and you did steal my fucking uh, – I was going to throw another, um, you know, uh, use, useful, useless with the, uh, with the Denver deal, but I guess you stole it from me. I was going to try to surprise the group again, but – I'm, uh, I'm going to stay silent on the on the useful useless stat uh, stat hump for this week. Okay, well we've we've got a, we've got a few good ones, um, but let's do Dabble real quick. Dabble is betting speed meets social media. On Dabble, you can follow your friends, mates, stalk the experts, training tipsters, scroll through trending bets. You can copy them to your account in one tap. Get alerts when your mates and expert tipsters place bets, and most importantly, you can follow me, Andrew Burgett, all on one word. Go on and download the app to the App Store, dabble or one word, dabble socially, gamble responsibly, have fun having a punt. Useful or useless pro, the Warriors-Lakers game on October 18, opening night, is the second most expensive regular season NBA game of all time, pro, all time. Average purchase price in that building is $897. Now, who do you think the most expensive game was? Uh, I would say maybe MJ, MJ's last game, but nobody knew when he was going to retire. So I would say Kobe probably in his final game. Correct. Kobe's last game in 2016 had an average of $1,137. Useful or useless, Pro? Is the game at Golden State? I believe so. I have to check that, actually. Yeah. They lost... You know, they lost so much fucking money with building that place. They probably need, you know, they probably need the fucking ticket revenue with all the shit they got in that building. But I would say it's useful because, I mean, you know, second of all time in a game. I mean, I don't think it's a great fucking game to watch a, you know, watch a championship contender versus a playing team. But, you know, it's not bad. I mean, playing, you've got the Lakers at the playing already. Oh, yeah, for sure. Playing. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it is in Golden State, by the way. It's in San Francisco. Yeah, I would say it's useful. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, why not? Nine hundred bucks a fucking game. Trust me, I, I'd rather pay my ninety nine dollars for my fucking my yo know, my fucking league pass and just watch it from fucking home. Oh, that went down, didn't it? We got a discount. Yeah, I saw that. It's originally like two hundred bucks. Now it's down to like I think it's down to like ninety nine. Or for you guys, it's down to what? Was it down to like 120? Yeah, that's the Australian dollar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's definitely down. Yeah. Down a lot, down a shitload. But uh, also, I mean, the purchase price being 897, that could be the Biden tax pro as well, uh, you know? So could be. you got to factor that that inflation number in over there. You guys are struggling. So, and uh, plus, don't get, yeah, don't get me mean, wrong. You're, you know, in San Francisco, there's a 98% chance of your fucking car being burglarized. So, you know, that, that, that's an extra 250 to $500 onto your tab. So now you're probably walking out of there with 1500. Your insurance policy goes up when you park a car in San Fran and you got to jump over all the uh, feces on the street. So love you. Love you, warrior fans. Don't get too mad, but uh, there are places in that city that are not too good. 
All right, pro. Next one, highest highest paid mascot in the NBA, pro. Who's your pick? Fuck, I love Benny the Bull. You know, I would definitely pick Benny the Bull. When I read this, I had it. I, I screenshot it. I'm like, there's no fucking chance Bogues is gonna find this one. I gotta get this one in. I couldn't believe when I read this stuff. But oh, did you have that one on your list? Did that you? That was the one, the, the one? Denver deal. That's what I said. <laughs> I found it today. I'm like, I screenshot it. I'm like, I'm gonna get fucking Bogues with this one. This is amazing. Actually, a couple of things amaze me in this, but go ahead. I would say my favorite by far is Benny the Bull. It's not even close in Chicago. I like the gorilla. I like the oh, Phoenix, Phoenix Sun gorilla. gorilla he's yeah. Always, yeah. He's always been he's always been good. Um, but Rocky, the Denver Nugget mascot yeah. pro. Mm-hmm. Now you've seen the number, but what 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 would you expect a mascot to make knowing not knowing that number, pro. Like, what would be a good annual salary for a mascot? So, forty-one games. So, you got to factor in forty-one games. Plus, they're doing a shitload of promo stuff. Yeah. They go on to team appearances. So, they're probably working one hundred and fifty odd days a year. When I was in Boston, and like I always thought, like fucking mascots making like a hundred bucks a game, you know, something like that. Because of course, I didn't know anything. So, when they told me. There was at that point in 2003 or 2004, there was a mascot union and they were getting an average. No, there wasn't. Yes. Are you fucking serious? I, 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 I shit you not. <laughs> and like oh, our guy God. was making like a hundred grand and it, he, he was, I couldn't fucking believe it. Like, you know, jumping off trampolines and shit. Who gives a fuck, right? But that guy was making like a hundred. So they were saying, yeah, that's sort of like the going rate, 80 to 100. So like I figure with, you know, that was what, 18 years ago. So guys are probably making, you know, mascots are probably making an average of like 125. So when they were saying, okay, Denver mascot was the highest in the league, I'm like, okay, Maybe 175. When I read this, I almost shit a fucking brick when I found out what this Did you want to put on some sort of uh, mascot suit and start training, pro? Well, I'm the mascot of this fucking show. I think I could make at least a third of this. This is crazy. But go ahead. This is your show. So the the number for everyone, for Rocky the mascot. So if if you've got dreams about making the NBA and – you can't be a player. This might be a calling card for a lot of people. Six hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, bro. Un fucking real. I couldn't believe it. Well, th- That's almost as much as the. It's almost as much as the league minimum, dude. And they got one <laughs> of the. They got one of the cheapest owners in pro sports. Oh, I would say cheap. I would say frugal, not overspending for staff. I could not believe it when they said this guy makes six hundred twenty-five thousand. Nuts. How do they base that? Well, I mean, does he have an agent, you think? Oh, for sure. Rocky? There's no doubt about it. Rocky's got an agent. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think the same, you know, Donald Duck oh. and Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse might have the same agent, but like this guy, 620. He's probably with Clutch. He's probably with Clutch or CIA, yeah, no bro. doubt about it. 625. <laughs> but you know what? It's crazy, Bogues, right? So when I was in Dallas, I don't think you were with us. We played Chicago at I think the University of Nebraska or was I think it was Nebraska. So we go pregame to work out and like Betty the Bull is like working on his like half court sky hook or whatever, right? And then he's about to take his mask off. I don't know why he was taking his mask off, but everybody was forced to drop their phone 
in fucking, you would think this is like Batman to see he's not fucking Bruce Wayne. We had to turn our backs and the guy had to take his, um, take his fucking mascot. I'll tell you what, these, these fucking, these mascots are a little bit fucked up to be honest. But like we have, no one could see the identity of fucking like Benny the Bull. But yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But six twenty. That's a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money. Six twenty-five. I saw. I saw it. I thought it was. I thought it was false, and I'm just like, what the hell, dude? It's a lot of money to be a mascot. But uh, hey, good luck to him. I'm not hating on it by any means. I just thought it was funny, so I thought I'd uh, bring it up. And it's funny that you saw it as well because it was. It's definitely. I'm saying it's useful. Very useful to know that hey. If you've got a dream about being a mascot, you can make a good. You can eat caviar and dress dress in funny suits as well. But you know what? Like, what what did shock me a little bit by reading that blurb, and hopefully we didn't get catfished again by a fucking account that we're where you know we love to do all. Oh, <laughs> uh, probably. Yeah, but like they said, the average salary is down to like sixty thousand. Like I said, twenty years ago, they were telling me. Now maybe I got bad intel. But they were telling me like the average mascot was making about a hundred grand a year, and um, well, there'd be some teams that definitely pay per game, probably, yeah. you know, um, and there'd be some teams that have it on full time salary. But uh, shit, if you saying the average today sixty k, I think in that if you, hold on, let me just give me two seconds, folks. Let me where's my phone? Hold on. Wow, Rocky would be hated. Rocky would be hated if that's the truth, man. He's yeah, so. Denver Nuggets mascot Rocky is the highest paid mascot, 625. Rocky makes 10 times the average salary of an NBA mascot, roughly 60K a year. Hey, what if he like leaves like tomorrow? He's leaving practice and all, 29 other fucking mascots fly to Denver <laughs> and they beat the shit out of him with like explosive confetti fucking hammers and fucking like all that bullshit. And they beat the living fuck out of him. Yo, like, you know, imagine, I thought they were making like 100, but they say he makes 10 times the average. I don't know, man. Yeah, he's got he's to be hated. Insane. <laughs> there's that motherfucker. Yeah, there's that motherfucker right there. Get him. Yo, like the gorillas, the gorillas fucking like shooting him out of a cannon and shit like that. It's unbelievable. But hey, man, maybe the maybe the analytics on Rocky are great. He's he's the best the best analytics. He's got the best analytics for a mascot, man. That's probably what it is today. Without some, there's some someone somewhere in an NBA office saying this is the guy we're going to pay. His his analytics are off the charts. He does he does X amount of flips per hour. You know, like he's unbelievable. But, uh, man. Good stuff. What do you got? Well, we're talking about Aiden Bogues. Um, obviously, a lot of talk about that. You know, Phoenix wasn't going to sign him. But the re- the only reason why they matched in the end is Max offer sheet was because they didn't want to lose him for nothing. So, fact or fake news, Aiden will be with now everyone's thinking he's gonna get traded. December 15th comes up, he's traded, you know, within the next week of that. But the fact or fake news for this week that Aiden will be on their roster by um after trade deadline of this upcoming season. Fact or fake news. Fact, I don't, I don't think they're moving him that quickly just based on um, – that's going to be a lot of anger to hold on to till the trade deadline or even till December 15, right? It's still three months away or two months away. Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's, t- it's 
it's not an ideal situation. I still think the Suns will be a good regular season team. I still think they'll be up in the mix um, with their roster. I think they're still a very deep, talented roster, and I think that hopefully should calm him down a little bit. And it's like, where are you going to go? Like, there's not a lot of teams with, with that can acquire that cap space um, easily without giving up a very good player in return. But what big are you replacing? Even if you're Phoenix, you, you want to try to make this work. There's not many other bigs out there that you can replace for that system, right? Chris Paul dominated, ball-dominant guy. Um, as far as setting the offense up, you've got a scorer on the wing in, in Booker. You've got Bridges coming into his own. You've got Cam Johnson. So... You know, if you bring in a scoring type big hypothetical, you somehow manage to get a Carl Anthony Towns. Not going to happen. But you know, like a guy like that, it's like I don't think they fit as well in that system. Aiden's a perfect big for that system because he's not a poster man. He's not a he's not the man in post ups and touches. Maybe that's the issue he wants to leave. That's it. who knows. But he, he's not a he, he fits in well. He can roll and shoot hooks on both shoulders. He's athletic enough to catch a lob. I think he fits in well with that group. So. In saying that long spiel, I think um, he'll be there past deadline. So, uh, say fact on that one, bro. Yeah, folks, I think at some point they're going to get past this. You know, it's going to take some time, but I think they're going to get past it. And like you said, there's not a lot of teams that could not only take on that salary, right, but give you the assets in which you think that you need, you know, paying this guy the max. I think he's a great fit for them. I think that having a center that could, you know, protect the rim, he's really good on the block. He's a good player, really good player. And I think at some point they're going to say, look, by December, you know, because he's healthy, he's going to play. They're going to be, I think they're going to be pretty good by December 15th, right? I think, I think record wise, I don't even know how many games they play up to that point, but I think they'll, at that point, they could win 60% of their games, 65% of their games. And I think that they'll be like, you know what, fuck it, let's just go forward with them, because, you know, what are we gonna get? You know, what do we want if we're gonna trade them? It's not like somebody's gonna give us. Well, if Utah got five picks for Gobert, like, what are you gonna get for him? He's not as good as Gobert, I don't think, but he's in that category. I think it's, I think it's fact he will be with the team past. Uh, fast trade deadline i think they're just going to figure out that you know what we know what we have with him yeah it's a little bit rocky with him and our coach but they'll get over it um he's a good player we know what we have he took us you know we went pretty far with him two years ago last year was you know not the greatest finish that we wanted but i think he could take us pretty far so i say fact i think he'll be back um past uh, deadline folks battle of the worst Orlando, the Magic will win more games than the Houston Rockets. Fact or fake news? Fake news. I think uh, Houston win more. So, yeah, simple as that. I think um, Houston win more based on Orlando's in the East. They're in a tougher conference. I think Houston have the ability to, to to win some games with that roster. I don't think they're going to be consistently good, but I think they're going to surprise. They're, going to, they're, they're one of those teams, I think, on paper that could beat like the Warriors one night. And then lose to the worst team in the league the next night. Like they're that they're going to be that erratic because they're just they're somewhat young and dumb. And I think they'll they'll be they'll be they're in a conference that's probably a little bit easier to get to steal a few more wins at the bottom end of that conference than Orlando are. So I think Houston's going to win more. So fake news that one. Yeah, I fake news the two. Um, I'm not a big fan of Orlando's roster as of yet. I mean, look, they got Bonchero that you know their draft pick, the number one pick. 
But look, Markel Feltz is out again with a with a toe injury. He's gone probably I don't know how long he's gone for. Isaac is still, there's no timetable I've heard for his return. So those are two major guys in their second unit that are out. And you just don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge, I think Cole Anthony's a decent player, but not still not a huge fan of his, but he's a good player. But I think Houston has a lot of young talent on their roster. And I think that they're, you know, I mean, they're not, they're not a great team by any means, but you got, you know, Green, Porter, Jabari Smith, Sengun's pretty good, you know. Then you get like Josh Christopher coming off the bench, our guy Tate coming off the bench. You know, they just got Mo Harkless, who's solid. Um, I, I think that they're going to be a, a decent team. I think they're going to be, you know, challenging to get out of that, you know, 12, you know, 12 to, I think they, they could get as high as me. I haven't done my rankings or anything, but I think they could challenge for like 12. I think Orlando, you know, is still in that, you know, 15 slot in the East. I don't think they're getting out of there anytime soon. So um, I say fake news. I don't think that, I don't think that Orlando will win more games than Houston this year. Although they do fight, they do fight and scrap. Jamal Mosley's a good coach, but I just think that, I think that Houston's got too much young talent and they just got natural talent on their team. They can't win games yet, but I think that they're they're a really talented young team. Agree. What for you, Pro? Go ahead, folks. The Phoenix, the Phoenix, fact or fake news, the Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns championship window is closed. Hmm. Interesting. I say fake news. I, I think here's my thing, folks. I think talent wins in this league. I think coaching is very overrated on some ends of it. I think coaches, great coaches, get you a few extra wins for sure. But I think that like if you have talent, you have talent. Um, I think this thing gets squashed. Uh, the the Crowder thing's interesting, but. Again, I think they could replace him. I like, you know, because Crowder's a, a throwback. He's one of those tough guys, those Marcus Smarts, the Morris Twins. Those one of those tough guys that like enforcer type players. And they're going to miss him for sure. And whenever they decide whatever trade they're going to make. But I think they got talent. I think they get, you know, I think I think with Booker and, and, and Aiton and, you know, Chris Paul is getting up there in age and I don't know how long he's going to play at a decent level, but I think he could still give them another year or so. Um, I think they, they still have championship aspirations. I'm not sure if they win it, but I think that they can put themselves in position to get to a conference final. Um, not guaranteed, but... Well, is a window closed, pro? Aspirations are different to a window. That's a good point. Do you think they can still win a championship this season? I think they could still win a championship this season. I think, I think mm. like, when you're talking about every year there's, like, four teams that have a chance, I think that they have a chance. Um, and I think that they're, you know, they, they've got enough talent there and they've been together. Yeah, I still say they, they still have a chance. I'm going. I'm going. Fact. I think it's closed. I, I think their room for error is so small in in that top four in the West. Um, and considering what we discussed earlier in this pod, where they're having you know culture camaraderie issues already, um, even if it's two guys or one guy, I think that they can't, they can't afford to have that. I, I'm not worried about their X's and O's. I, I think they're going to be a good regular season team. But I think as soon as adversity hits this group. I think it's going to be guys looking for the exits, in my opinion. Um, 
the pressure just going to get to them. I think they were so close that one year and, and, and lost to Milwaukee. And I think, I don't think they're going to get back there. I think <clears throat> their best case scenario is maybe, maybe a conference finals, maybe if they're, if they're lucky. But you, you factor in a Dallas, you factor in uh, a Clippers, um, Warriors, like uh, they're not beating them. Period. I don't think, and I think the, I think the crowd of loss is is is, is somewhat underrated. I, I really do. I think he, he he brings a lot of toughness to him. He's a no nonsense guy. Guys don't mess with him. He can knock down that three ball. He's streaky, but he, when he's hot, he's hot, and he's one of their better defenders. You don't replace that easily. And why you know his stats don't jump off the page, but he's an important cog to a, to a CP three led team because. You know, CP3, it's it's him, Booker, and maybe Aiden lead the stats, but it's those guys in between, like a la the old school Clippers, the JJ Reddicks of the world, and and those kind of guys, Jamal Crawford. Those are the guys that get you to the next the next round sometimes. And I think Crowder's a big out. So I'm, I'm going fact. I think their window is closed. And on top of that, pro, something I can add, they are down 71 to 59 to the Adelaide 36ers right now, pro at halftime. So... <laughs> Um, I know it's preseason. I know it's preseason, right. um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jock will be pissed if he loses to the Thirty Sixers with his NBA team. But they are down at the moment. The guys are playing minutes, pro. They're, all their starters have played fifteen minutes each in the first half. Their whole starting unit played fifteen minutes straight together. Um, they might be done for the night, I'd assume, though, because um, they've played fifteen straight, and now it looks like all the bench is playing. But um, yeah, go Sixers. We'll see. I hope that creates some more tension in their locker room and I'm right about my fact or fake news, bro. <laughs> That's a good one, Bogues. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yes, it is. All right, that wraps up this episode. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow, like, all that crap on social media, at Rogue Bogues on all the forums. We're even on LinkedIn and get on pro stuff at Hoop Consultants on face on uh, you on Facebook Pro, just Instagram and Twitter. I think Facebook too, yeah. I have a Facebook page for, for Hoop Consultants. Beautiful. Check check all that out if you need some help with some film breakdowns for junior players or semi-pros, hit up Pro and uh, he, can, he can help you out with all that stuff. And we will see you all next week. See you guys next week. Let's get rogue.